Thank you everybody for coming today and for staying. And turn please with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we'll read at verse 13, Matthew 7 and 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Turn, please, Second Peter, Second Peter, Chapter Three, and Verse Nine, Second Peter Three and Nine. The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the piece I'm interested in that verse. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. As I was thinking about what I was going to speak about here today, I read, I think it was, well, it was on... The article that I read was on November 29th, so it was a couple weeks ago. There was an article in the LA Times, and it was called Offering Abortion, Rebirth. And the byline on it said that an Arkansas doctor says he destroys life, but he believes the thousands of women who have relied on him have been, quote, born again. And so I read this article. I was uh, very... Um, angry at many of the things which I read in there about the abortions that this man performs. But I was particularly struck with a quote that was in this article. And, and I'll just read this piece. It says, For the few women who arrive ambivalent or beset by guilt, Harrison, that's the doctor, Harris, Dr. Harrison, Harrison's nurse has posted statistics on the exam room mirror. I don't believe these statistics, by the way, but and they're not really important. One out of every four pregnant women in the U.S. chooses abortion. A third of all women in this country will have had at least one abortion by the time they're 45. But this is the quote I'm interested in. And she says, You think there's room in hell for all those women? The nurse will ask. That's the title I have over my message. You think there's room in hell. Now, Let's be very clear. Abortion is a terrible thing. And we are very opposed to abortion. And we should be because it's murdering a baby. There's no getting around that fact. But abortion is not what's going to send somebody to hell. This quote, do you think there's room in hell for all those women? First of all, the answer is 
If they don't get saved, yes. Second of all, the answer is, is that not all of these women that have had abortions are necessarily going to go to hell because they've had an abortion. But if they don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that would be far worse than any multitude of abortions they could have had. And that was a sad thing in the article. There was many women that he performs abortions on that they're there for several. They're sixth, seventh, eighth time, if you can believe that. But that's not the point. Is the room in hell for all those people? If they're sinners that have not accepted what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for them, absolutely, there is room in hell. I want to talk about four things today. The first is the fearful but full place. The second is the finest destination. The third is the favored time. And the fourth is the final decision. I'd like to spend some time on this first one, this fearful but full, F-U-L-L, place. The first verse that we read there is, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. And I know that those in the audience that are listening here today sat in Terryville at many of those meetings where that chart was hanging on the wall behind them, and I'm sure you've seen it many other times with the two roads and the two destinies chart. And I can see it in my mind as clear as day, this wide road leading down here to destruction, and then this narrow road leading up to heaven. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. This fearful place. Hell is an awful place. You know, it wasn't until, in my own experience, it wasn't until somebody painted a particularly vivid picture of hell that it really struck me and that I really realized what an awful place it was. And it woke me up so I realized this is really not a place where I want to go. I don't think I'm capable of painting such a picture. I don't think any of us truly is capable of speaking about how awful hell is going to be. It's a fearful place. It is a place where there is, we read, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be no end to the suffering there. You can bear a lot if you know that it's going to end at some point. Even people that are tortured, they'll, they can, it'll, it's painful, but at some point, their body's just going to give up and they're going to die. It may last for a long time, but eventually, the pain ends. Eventually, something else comes along. Not like that with hell. It's not like that at all. We believe, and we have it in the scripture, Hell is a literal place, number one. It's not some imaginative place. It's a literal place that exists. And we also believe that it is a place where there will be great pain. It's not just as some say, well, it's just the absence of God is what makes it hell. No, God is absent from there, absolutely. And the absence of God will be terrible. But we also believe that it will be a place 
of great physical pain. And we have that from the Scriptures. We have the rich man who is in hell just wanting a drop of water to cool his tongue. If hell wasn't a place of physical torment, why would he be crying for that? That's all he wanted. A drop of water to cool his tongue. He didn't ask for a a truckload of water. All he wanted was a drop of water. That's how desperate he was. It's an awful place. He wanted somebody to go from the grave and tell his brother that none of them may come to this awful, awful, awful place. It's a fearful place. But friend, it's also a full place. There will be a lot of people there. You know, I once overheard one of the one of the secretaries at work that used to work in our area. I once heard her say, you know, she says, I went to Catholic school for all these years and you know, I I want to go to hell because it's gonna be where all the people are. I'm gonna have a lot more fun there. That somebody saying that just really bothered me, but you think hell is going to be a good place because there's a lot of people there? You think there's going to be anything you're going to enjoy there? There's not. There's absolutely not. You'll meet some very, very people that are popular and well-known on this earth down in hell. Oh, sure, you'll probably meet a few serial killers and people like that, but you'll meet some other people, some supposedly religious people you'll see a whole bunch of people that have supposedly done lots of good works in their life. There's a lot of people that are going to be there. The Scripture tells us this. Many there be which go in thereat, at this wide gate, this wide road that leadeth to destruction. Many are going. It's an awful and a fearful place. And it's also a full place. It will be full of everyone who has rejected the Son of God. Not everyone who's had an abortion. Not everyone who's murdered somebody. Not everyone who's committed some serious crime, some felony, whatever the case may be. Because a lot of those people may end up in heaven. Some of them may. I don't know if a lot. Whatever the number is. It doesn't matter what sins someone has committed here on earth. The only thing that truly matters is what they do with the matter of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they accept them or reject them. The rest, if you're a sinner and you're the worst sinner in the world, or you're the least worst sinner in the world, if you reject Christ, you're both guilty of the same sin of rejecting Christ. And there is no sin that could be worse than that. Hell is a fearful place, but it will be a full place because it's the road that everybody is on by default. It takes an act, a choice. You've got to do something, and that simply is accept. You don't actually have to do anything, but you have to accept and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ choose to stop rejecting Him to get off of that wide road. The next place I'd like to talk about 
is the finest destination. And this is the narrow way. Narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The few will find their way to this finest destination. I use the word destination because I like some of the thoughts that it conjures up. And it's kind of, in our modern day, it's, it's kind of a new buzzword a little bit in business and things like that, where, you know, everybody wants to create a, a destination place. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. There's new car dealerships going up that are call themselves a destination dealership. And what it is, is you go there and it's somewhere where you can actually go to a car dealership and spend a day. Because they've got things for the kids to do. They've got things for the adults to do. They might have a racetrack out and back where you can take cars and test them out. Some people are building these places. They're called destination dealerships. Disney, Disney World. Disneyland. They're destination places where you go and you spend a lot of time there. It's a place where you want to go. And it's not just you're going for some particular reason, you know, like you go to a car dealership to buy a car. You don't go to a car dealership because it's a fun place to go. That's what they're changing this. But I want to talk about the finest destination. And that's heaven. Because there's nothing on earth that could possibly compare to it. You know, I, I remember it wasn't, it was probably two or three years ago that Frankie T was on this platform and he was talking about Disney World, and he said, you know, not that I would ever compare heaven to Disney World, but you think about Disney World and all the magic that goes on, you know, not that there's true magic, but all the things that they put around it. You know, the fact that you never see somebody out there collecting trash, and you never see any trash, and, you know, they try and make this a real experience. They, they do a lot. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on underground at Disney World to really make it up. An amazing experience. And it is. It absolutely is. They do a good job. But think about heaven. I mean, you may not like Disney World, but if you do and you find it a, 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 an interesting place, it, it all pales in comparison to heaven. You know, I, I've been telling everybody who will listen lately about how great the Grand Canyon was that I went to a few months ago. I mean, it really is. It's amazing. You stand there on your edge of this thing and, you know, you look at pictures and you say, big deal, it's a big hole in the ground. It, it, it's absolutely breathtaking. It is amazing. You go hiking down this trail, it's six foot wide and there's mules walking along the edge and, you know, you're on the precipice of a 5,000 foot drop and it's just unbelievable. It is beautiful. It's quite a destination. It's amazing. I recommend everybody to go there at some point in their lives. It really is amazing. But you know what? It's nothing compared to what heaven's going to be like. It's nothing. No matter what beauties we may have here on earth, it's all tainted by sin. You know, the Grand Canyon was nice, but as I was, as we were walking down, we see all these signs about people who, you know, they die from dehydration if you don't, you know, if you try and do too much or if you don't have water. You know, and there's the 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 mules and everything. There's droppings all over the ground. I mean, as nice as the place is, it's not perfect. There's problems with it. As nice as Disney is, we were there one year and it was so crowded we couldn't stand the place. 
No matter what there is here on earth, what destination there is here on earth, it's never perfect. Even if it's good. Even if it's a great place. There's, it's never perfect. But we're talking about the finest destination. We're talking about heaven. And we're talking about this place that has no sin. It has never been tainted by sin. I want you to think about something here. The Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. And He became sin for us. So when I say heaven has never been tainted by sin, the Lord Jesus Christ became sin for us and He's in heaven. How has heaven never been tainted by sin? The reason is, is because when He suffered there, He ended. He ended our sin from the sense of any remembrance of it. And so when he rose victorious there, sin was no longer on him. He proved that he was victorious over sin. And he's in heaven as a risen Savior. And sin and death have been vanquished. Heaven has never been tainted by sin. There are people, I'm one of them, People that have died, I think of Bob Rosania and others. There are people, we're all sinners. We'll be in heaven someday. Some are in heaven already. But because of what the Lord Jesus Christ did there on the cross, our sins are remembered no more. So heaven, that finest destination, never been tainted by sin. Whatever makes Disney World or the Grand Canyon or any other destination not that great of a place, or even if it is a great place, but whatever makes it not perfect, there's no such thing in heaven. It's the finest of destinations. It's the best place we could ever be. There is nothing on this earth that could ever compare to heaven where there will be no tears. And all there will be is glory as we look on our Savior and see Him there, the One who did so much for us. As we were thinking already this morning, we'll see the nails in His hand, the nail prints in His hands and His feet. We'll see the wound in His side. We'll see our Savior there in that perfect place, that finest destination. But there's few that will be there. I have no idea how many people are actually going to be in heaven. I, I don't know what few is, but I, I know it's a relative term in terms of... It's few compared to the many that will be in that fearful and full place. I have... I would imagine, have to imagine, there will be probably millions of people in heaven. But it will be few compared to the billions however many there will be, that will be in hell. There's no... In Matthew chapter 7 there, as I read through there, I don't see any middle ground that's mentioned there. Nowhere in the Scriptures do I see such a, such a thing. I see heaven and I see hell. I don't see any place that's, you know, if you're maybe pretty good, if you're good enough, you know, you don't go have any abortions and don't murder anybody. There's no place 
that that person goes to other than heaven or hell. Those are the only two places. The fearful and full place or the finest destination. The choice is yours, friend. You have an opportunity today. And that brings me on to my next point, that we're living in the favored time. We have an option today. We have an opportunity. God wants you to take this opportunity. He wants you to exit off of this wide road onto the narrow road. He wants you to get off of the road that's taking you to that fearful, full place and get on the road that's leading to that finest destination. It's a favored time. God has shown you favor. He's shown you favor by putting you in the family that you're in. He's shown you favor by putting you in this place where you're hearing the Gospel. He's shown you favor by having a family that cares about you and wants to take you to Gospel meetings and other places. He's shown you favor by all those that pray for you. Friend, you're in a favored position and you're living in a favored time. You have the opportunity to choose life. You have the opportunity to choose to be in that finest of destinations. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and 9, we read, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. There will not be a single person in hell. There will not be a single person in hell who is there because God wanted them to be in hell. Got that? He is not willing that any should perish. It takes an active rejection of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you in order that you be in hell. You got that? You may not think that you're actively rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, but you are. Because you're in a favored time. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The time is now. And if you choose not to take it now, you are actively choosing not to accept what the Lord has given. He's not willing that any should perish. Friend, you live in a very favored time. We all do. I am thankful that I was born into the family, into the place, into everything that I was born into where I could be under the sound of the Gospel and where I was able to eventually get saved. I was born in a favored place and in a favored time. And friend, the door of salvation is still open to you. The Lord has not come yet. And you're still breathing. You still have an opportunity. You're living in a favored time. There's no saying how long that time's going to go on. But right now, He's not willing that you perish. He does not want you to perish. He provided His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, for you to die upon the cross 
so that you never have to go to that fearful place, but so that you can be in that finest destination. The last point I have is the final decision. Because, friend, though you're living in a favored time right now, there will be a time when you will make a final decision. That final decision may come at the last time that you think about salvation. That final decision was made for me on January 9, 1989. That final decision, should I die tomorrow, has already been made. And that decision was that I accepted what the Lord Jesus Christ did for me. Everyone that is saved here has made a final decision regarding whether they're going to go to that fearful place or that finest destination. Everyone here has made that final decision. But friend, there will come a day when you'll make a final decision. Your final decision may be that you choose life. It may be that you choose to exit off of that broad road and go onto that narrow road. That may be your choice. And we hope it is. We pray it is. That that's your choice. That that's your final decision. I'm going to choose to be saved. I'm going to simply believe in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for me there upon the cross. I realize it's important. I realize that there's nothing more important. And that I want to be in that finest of places. I want to be there in that finest destination. And I really don't want to be in that fearful place. That can be your final decision. But friend, we would be remiss if we didn't also talk about the other final decision that you can make. And that is, you could choose to continue rejecting the Holy Spirit that is striving with you. You could choose to reject a God that is not willing that any should perish. A God that wants all to come to repentance. And friend, your final decision may be, and you may make it a minute before you die, you may make it now, you may make it whenever, but you may at some point make a final decision that you're going to end up in that fearful place. Friend, you have an opportunity right now. You're living in a favored time. You've got an opportunity to make your final decision for heaven. You can make your final decision to that finest of destinations. You can be there. But friend, if you don't make that final decision for that, then you're making a final decision, what could be a final decision, to not be saved. We don't know when the last time you're going to have, when the last opportunity you're going to have to make that decision is. Right now, you're in a favored time. You've got an opportunity, friend. We don't know that next Sunday there will be another speaker on this platform because the Lord may have come. We don't know that next Sunday you're going to be in this audience because something may have befallen you. And friend... You may be making your final decision right now. You may be making this final decision. 
I'm going to choose to reject Christ. Oh, I know nobody would probably say it that way. I think there's more reverence than that. But friend, that's what you're doing. God is not willing that you perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What's your final decision going to be? Are you going to make your final decision today whereby you'll know that you have life, you'll know that you're going to that finest destination? Are you going to choose to hold off longer and stay on that wide road? Stay on that road that is leading down to that fearful place of destruction. There will be lots of people there. You think there's room in hell for all the Christ rejectors? Absolutely. Friend, there's room. But there doesn't need to be room for you there if you simply believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be saved in the seat where you sit. Choose life. Choose to exit off of that broad road onto that narrow road. Make your final decision that you're going to accept what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for you. God's not willing that you perish. He wants you to come to repentance. Simply realize you're a sinner in need of salvation. Turn off of that broad road onto that narrow road and be safe in the seat where you sit. You'll never have to go to that fearful but full place. You'll be in that finest destination that we can't even speak about in terms, there's no human language that could describe what a wondrous place it's going to be. But friend, right now you've got a favored time. You've got an opportunity to be saved. We pray that your final decision will be that you'll exit off of that broad road. Exit onto the narrow path. Be saved. God wants you to be saved. We all want you to be saved. Make the final decision today. I'll choose life. And you'll be saved in the seat where you sit. In closing, I'd like to sing a couple of verses of number 260.